Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Daniel. My wife, Megan, and I are the location pastors here at Destiny Church, Nuremberg Region. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website at destinychurch.de. Let's get into the Word. continuing the series from the journal and as I've told you every week this is my excuse to just not preach on a theme um, I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't preach on themes and he just preached what Holy Spirit was telling him to preach or what he was communicated and then Peter uh, stood up and 3,000 were added to their number that day he just preached what was inside of them and I just thought it would be good just to give myself an excuse to unload some stuff that God has spoken to me from my Evernote. Um, and anybody use Evernote in here, by the way? Evernote's anointed. Um, if you don't know that app, you can download it. It's amazing. There's Michael Hyatt and all those people, you know, whatever. So, um, but whatever was in my journal, I tend to write in a physical journal and then to take a picture of it because I'm a millennial, you know. I'm caught in between two things. I'm, I like the old school. I write it down with a pen. I like to feel it but I want it digital. You know what I'm saying? So then I take a picture of it. I'm rabbit trailing today. It's because I was in the hospital yesterday with a kidney stone. So um, here I am. Amen. Um, And that's why I'm rabbit trailing. It's not the medication. They didn't give me anything that strong. It's just me. I'm sorry. This is what you get. So we've been in this series from the journal. And today I want to talk to you out of Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation was written by John. He caught a revelation when he was isolated on a prison island called Patmos. And God revealed some things about what was to come. And whatever maybe your experience of Revelation, the book of Revelation has been. I didn't read the book of Revelation for a while because I was like, those people who are all about the book of Revelation are weird. You know, they're like this and that. And they're using tribulation and uh, post. And I'm, I'm like, what are these guys, what are they talking? about they're just caught up in what's going to happen in the future and I had this mentality of I just need to do what Jesus told me to do and live the way Jesus told me to live and then I'll figure it out but there's something powerful in the revelation I I, I think about it this way Uh, so let me go there with you for a second the Old Testament um, in, in Bible college, they would teach you about types and shadows. The Old Testament casts a, a shadow into the New Testament. And so when you read the Old Testament, you're reading about a shadow um, of the coming of Jesus that you would read then about in the Gospels. This is why um, Jesus fulfilled so many of the prophecies, all of the prophecies that you read about him. He fulfilled all those. And then you look at things about the Old Testament and if you read the Old Testament with that perspective that, hey, I'm, I'm looking for Jesus in the text, the Old Testament comes alive to you. But at the same time, the Old Testament shadowing it, the revelation is also a picture of Jesus. It's also a picture and a shadow at how we can live today. And it casts something for us to look at and be aware of today. And in chapter two begins these letters or these writings to the angel of specific churches, seven different churches. And the one I want to read to today is the one about the church of Ephesus and these aren't just to the church of Ephesus but these are perspectives and ways that they were living and the ways that they were doing church and the way that that was uh 
in every single one of them, there was a bit of rebuke, a bit of correction to the church, and then also an encouragement about, I love the way that you're doing this. Um, and then there, there, comes the, there comes the rebuke, long before the Oreo principle. You know that if you need to, like, correct somebody, you do the, do the good stuff at first, and then you get to the, to the center, and then you get some good stuff at the end. That's, that's what happened in Revelation. It was the Oreo principle, you know? Um, you get to the point in the middle, but you say, oh, man, you're so awesome, but I need to tell you about this, and then, man, just to inf- uh, affirm you, you're really awesome, you know? And it's the Oreo principle, so if you ever need to correct anybody. I'm not so good at that with my kids. I just raise my voice and get the results that I want, um, but I should try it more. And so it revel- in Revelation, there, it's, a, it's a letter, it's a writing to the angel of Ephesus, and it talks about the, the, the church in Ephesus there. Um, And we can learn something from this. So let me read this to you quickly. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. He's talking about the Lord. um, Because this is a picture of what was written in chapter 1. You could could go back and read this. Um, But the words of him, so the words of the Lord, of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So this is Jesus himself. This is the Lord, the King of kings, speaking to the church of Ephesus. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Here's, that's the Oreo part. That's the, hey man, pat on the back, good job. And then he says, but I have this against you. How many know you don't want Jesus to say, I have this against you? But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Which I also hate. He who, is an, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The tree of life can be found all the way back in Genesis. Can we just pray quickly and um, let's dive into what I feel God is saying to us today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this revelation today help us find ourselves in the text that you could speak to us afresh help us identify areas in our heart where we need to grow in you god would you put your finger on places in our heart today that needs you that needs to be redeemed that needs to maybe submit and surrender to you help us to not just walk away from here with more knowledge or an encouragement but today with a transformation from the inside out. God, we want to experience and encounter you today in the text and in what you're saying. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Megan and I will be married uh, nine years this month. It's our our nine-year anniversary. So um, for some of you, you've been married 
way longer than that, and I could totally use some marriage advice. But I still remember, you know, our honeymoon. We took, uh, I, I had this planned out. It was my responsibility, the honeymoon. I had it planned. Um, I didn't have it planned very good because um, Megan and I, uh, we, we had given our life to Christ. We met each other in the church, and so we were waiting until marriage to practice having kids, if you know what I'm talking about. And so I was like, I'm going to plan the night. You know, I'm going to plan it. But we were going to go on a cruise that was an eight-hour drive away from, the, uh, from where we had the wedding. So I had to leave my wedding and get on in a, in a car and drive eight hours. So I, I planned, I'm going to halfway schedule a hotel room, and it's going to be nice. Still to this day, the nicest hotel we've ever stayed in. Um, because how many of you know when you're getting married, people give you money? You know what I'm saying? You got it. You're just going to go lavish. And we stayed in the hotel room, and then we got up the next morning and went to the boat. Uh, and, man, it was amazing just to get away from it all. And I remember we had our first argument right there on our honeymoon. Anybody else had an argument on your honeymoon? And we argued about money. I don't remember exactly what it was about. It do, I, don't, I, I don't care anymore, honestly. But, um, but yet we got over it quickly, and we just had the best time of our life. It was amazing. Um, but now, nine years later, three kids running around the house, we're yelling, they're yelling at us, they're pooping in their diapers, and we're like, get them to school, stay up late, they wake you up, and you know, we're going through all these things, and we've been living together for a long time. How many of you know that the honeymoon phase can wear off? And then all of a sudden, you live with this person that you're married to, and you realize how they brush their teeth. You realize how they eat their food. You realize things like how they take care of the house or all the little, I like, the, I like to put the pots and pans here. I like to put the pots and pans there. You know, all these little things, the honeymoon phase wears off. And I think this is what happened with the church of Ephesus. The honeymoon phase weared off. They abandoned the love they had at first. They abandoned the love. Now, rewind years and years before Megan and I got married, I had a crush. Her name was Leanna. I don't even know how to spell it now. I just remember her. I don't even know her last name. Um, and I had a crush, and I was maybe nine or ten years old, and this is, we're like running around and, and that sort of thing, and I met her. I was like, oh, she's the one, you know, because you know when you're nine and ten, you just know. She's the one. And so I did what any young guy would do. Uh, I talked to her friends first. And said, I'm going to get in with the friends. And said, hey, does, that's weird. Do you think Leanna likes me? You know? I don't know. Maybe you should ask her. And I just, I, just weeks and weeks to get up the courage to ask her. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? Before text messages, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to write a letter. So I wrote a letter. I put a nice, because I heard girls like stones. I didn't know what kind of stones. So I just put, I, I had a rock collection. I know, I'm, I'm just, this is embarrassing, okay? Um, I got a better rock for my wife. I put a rock in the envelope. I think it was like a nice green amethyst. Is amethyst green? No. Which one's green? Emerald, yeah. I really don't remember what color it was for the sake of the story. Emerald stone. It was totally fake. I got it from a souvenir shop or something in there. 
Like, this is my gesture to you. And so she then writes back. It's like, ah, just, I think of you more than a friend, you know. Would you, be, would you be so kind to maybe go on a date with me, you know, at the bottom? Yes, circle, yes, circle, no, that sort of thing. And she writes a letter back. Oh, man, I got it, and I was waiting, waiting, waiting to get home to read the letter. And there was perfume sprayed on the letter. <sighs> Why did they do that? I don't know. But the letter wasn't from her. The letter was from her friends to tell me that she wasn't interested. Give me my stone back, you know? I want to talk to you today on the subject, baby, come back. Baby, come back. You ever seen these like movies where they hold the, where they hold the thing and like throwing rocks? Baby, come back. I don't want to let you. You know, and you're like, ah, nobody's coming back to that voice. I know, J- jokes aside. But it's like this moment, if you've ever had that crush or if you've ever had that moment where they dump you and you're sitting watching soap operas and Nicholas Sparks movies and eating Ben and Jerry's to wash away your sorrows. I just want you back. In fact, that was the moment I gave my life to the Lord. Uh, maybe some of you have heard my story, but there was another girl who I dated later in life who she, she dumped me and all I, wanted her, all I, I wanted her back. And I prayed to God. I said, God, I'll do anything. I'll go to church every Sunday. Bring her back. Baby, come back. And, and I'm like, oh, this is what I want. And that's when God spoke to me and said, hey, you put everything else before me, including this relationship, and now you've backed yourself into a corner. I was asking and praying the wrong thing. But this is what the, I believe the church of Ephesus did, is they walked away from the first, their first love. They abandoned their first love. Can I just tell you that God's desire is to have a relationship with you? His desire is to have a relationship with you. It is not, please hear me, it is not about religious duty and habitual um, traditions. It's not about I need to do this and I need to do that. And sometimes growing up in church, if you have, can actually actually hinder us because maybe we grew up with some traditions that we think that's what Christianity is. If I just follow and check these boxes, then... He loves me, and we feel like we're earning love. And this is the thing about the gospel, is that, is that it is the only religion celebrated and followed after that he came to us. Every other religion says, I got to get to him. I got to do this to get to him. I got to climb the mountain. I got to climb the ladder. And sometimes we try to do that in our relationship with God. He wants a relationship with us. He, in fact, in 1 John it says, God is love god is love but yet so often we're trying to earn his love we're trying to earn it and in fact by trying too hard to earn love trying too hard in checking the religious boxes we may feel like on the outside we we have it together but in our hearts we've distanced ourselves We've abandoned love. We've followed law, but we've abandoned love. This is what I think the picture of Ephesus is. Ephesus had it together. I mean, they, from the outside, listen, they had it together. It says, I know your works. I know your, I know your toil. I know your patient endurance. How many know that's a hard one? 
patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested the, those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know that you endure, you're enduring patiently and you're bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Like that sounds really good. I would love for Jesus to say that about my life. You've got patient endurance. They, they, they knew the boxes to check. They knew what to do, the right actions. And sometimes we know the right actions, but we can still have abandoned our love. We can still have left the honeymoon phase. This was the one thing against the church of Ephesus. You've abandoned the love you had at first. I, I don't know where we're all at online and in the room today. And I can only say for myself, but maybe, maybe you can rewind and remember the moment you gave your life to the Lord. For those of you who've made that decision to follow him and you remember what was going on in your heart, you're like, I, if you're like me, I don't know, I don't know the Bible, I don't have any verses memorized, I just, I'm all in, I love you, I don't know, I don't know what to say, I've just experienced and encountered love. Maybe some of you have never even experienced and encountered with that and all your relationship with God has been maybe out of religious duty and action and tradition. But God's call to us is to be in love relationship with the one who is love. We can look the part all day. We can, we can say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Amen. Doing all right. God is good all the time. And then on the inside, we've abandoned love. We know what to say. I think I said it two weeks ago when we talked about abiding. Like, I can now write a sermon. I know the right things to do and the right things to say. I, as a pastor, I know Christianese. You know, I know how to talk the language. I know how to say, I know how to make it look like I'm good on the outside. But on the inside, have I abandoned love? Have I just figured out the traditional religious rhythms? And have I abandoned my love at first? We need to come back to the love. For some of us, maybe for the first time. God is love. If he wanted you to work for him, Jesus would have never have came. Because the law, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, it was all about doing the right things to be in right standing with God. If he wanted you to work for him, come on, do it. You can do better. If he wanted that, he would have never have sent his son to die. He would have never have sent his son to, to, to bridge the gap of relationship. That's what it was about. The separation that sin caused, he was bridging the gap. We've abandoned the love in many areas. But I think it's interesting in the text it says, but I have, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. I, I was reading that. I was reading that this way. 
the love that I had for God, I abandoned it. I stopped loving him. And yes, I think that's one side of it. But I think the other side of it is I've abandoned the love. God is love. I've abandoned God himself. I've abandoned love. Listen, because before you ever loved him, he loved you. And we would like to focus it in on the love that we have. Oh man, I, I, I just love you today, God. I love you today. But sometimes, I just, maybe this will free you today. I like it freed me. Maybe you don't feel like it. But that doesn't change the fact that he's love and he loved you before you ever felt like it. He loved you before you ever were born. He loved you before you could ever say, be the Lord of my life. He, he loved you before your parents ever loved you or knew you. And that is the God that we abandon and walk away from. That is the, what he's talking about. You've abandoned love. And then out of that place we love is why 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved. We love because he first loved. It's, I can't listen. I can't love unless I've encountered and experienced his love. I love out of the place where he's loved me first. Ephesus, you've abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned the love you had at first. So maybe they begin to put God on a, on a pedestal like we like to do. Don't hear what I'm not saying. He's the king of kings. He's to be exalted. I exalt thee. I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's seated on the throne. But he's also in the valley with me. He also stepped from the, his eternal place just to be in the muck of sin and death with me for 33 years so that he could, he could bridge the gap on the cross and through his resurrection. Why? Only one thing. Love. Love. God, today, would you just give us, would you just give us the revelation of love? God, today, help us, because listen, I, I can't do it in my, I cannot do it in my physical mind. I, I, I can't experience that. I can't fully grasp your love in my carnal nature. Because I'm so used to the love that's, that's give and take. That you do this and then I'll do that. I'll love you if. I'm so used to conditional love. But God, you, you are unconditional love. Help us to grasp it. In Jesus' name. So what do we do? What do we do? I, I, I read three things in Revelation chapter 2 that I feel like will help us today. Again, for some of us, maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're just encountering that maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never encountered that love. Maybe it's been so long and like Ephesus, know all the things to say, all the things to do, and we've walked away. And maybe you're, maybe you're experiencing, and this is like, this is like the moment in your life you're encountering His love, where we can always experience more. There's always more. There's never an end to, and endless love 
But he says this, what do we do? Because in the text it says, verse 5, Remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If we're going to be people who come back to, we need to look into the text that, uh, that he's saying to Ephesus and say, what is he telling Ephesus to do? What did he tell Ephesus? Because then we can learn what we're meant to do. The first thing I believe we can do to come back to our first love, and I'll show you in another Bible story at the very end of this, it says, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. Remember that you are not your own. Remember that you are bought with a price. Remember that God, again, loved you before you ever loved him. Remember God's unconditional love for you. And remember who you are in him. Because what we try to do is we try to create our own identity outside of Christ. We need to find our identity in Christ. Remember who you are in him. Remember that you have the righteousness of God because of him and in him. And when we try to get righteousness outside of him, it's toil, it's striving, it's religion, it's law. Remember who you are. I could go back to the moments when I'm sitting in a hammock outside of a trailer that I rented with uh, two other roommates and, and I was just opening up God's word. And he was and he was just showing me, Daniel, this is who you are. This is who you are, because the world had told me for so long that this is who I was. And God said, I need to strip away what the world has told you and what you've told yourself. And I want to show you who I've created you to be. You need to remember who you are in him. And if you haven't discovered that, that is a journey to go on in him. Remembering what God has done. And if you can't find something that God has done in your life, you see, in the Old Testament, they would put up altars and pillars and they would tell the stories to their children so they would always remember what God has done so that they could have faith for what's ahead. Remember what God has done in your life. And if you can't, just go to the word because we sang it today. The same God that did it then is the same God now. And if you need to borrow somebody's faith story out of the word, if you need to borrow somebody else's testimony to fall in love with the one who is love, then that's the tool you need at the moment. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Number two, he says, remember from where you've fallen, where you came from, and then repent. Repent. How many of you like that word if you've ever grown up in church? repent you know like the, the like the baptist preachers like, repent or the guy standing on the on the side of the on the side of the road yelling at you i was driving down the road one day not in germany in southern alabama and there were some people on the road with big signs i thought they were going to throw rocks at me until i realized they were from a church you know i'm like whoa repent the kingdom of heaven is near you know and, and you're like, oh man, so you've had this perspective of what repent means, repent. But repent literally means to change your thinking, change your mind. And some of us are good at changing our mind. Amen? I really want KFC today. No, no, Subway, Subway. No, I'll have a schnitzel. Yeah, I'll have a schnitzel. 
we're really good at changing our mind, but you need to change your mind from the way that you've been thinking and you turn it, you change it, and you think differently. You have a different perspective that God gives you. God, give me eyes to see what you see. It's a turning away from. I need to repent from religion, meaning I need to not think religious, but I need to think love. Repent from doing things in your own strength. Means I'm not going to think anymore that I can do it on my own, but I need his. When you think differently, then your actions follow. Some of us are trying to have different habits and different ways of life, but we still think the same way. The battleground is here first, and we need to think differently, repent. We're going to think relationship, not religion. We're going to think relationship. We're going to change our mind. We're going to think relationship. We're going to think as sons and daughters, not servants. We're going to think it's different. We're going to think of sons, and some of you would like for your sons and daughters to be servants. Do the dishes. But sons and daughters hold a different position than servants. We're going to think as sons and daughters, not servants. It's, I'm going to think like Mary, not like Martha. We're going to think love, not law. We're going to think love. It's when, when I fall in love, then the actions come. I can, I, can try to, I can try to fulfill the commandments all day. I can try to do the right things all day. But when I, when I fall in love, that just naturally comes out. That's why when the disciples asked Jesus and said, what, what, out of the law, what's the most important? Love God and love your neighbor. Love, love. If you do these things, then you'll fulfill all the law. Love. We're going to think love and not law. We're going to think father and not boss. We're going to think father and not boss. Well, I'm here today, God, to get my marching orders. No, we're going to come to him like a father. Maybe you have never experienced the love of a father. Maybe it's been distorted for you. And you need to ask God to redeem that because he is the perfect father. And so often we see our relationship with God through the lens we have with our earthly father, whether they were present, whether they weren't perfect, none of them are. We need to see him as the father, not our boss. Worship team, you guys can come and I'm going to wrap up shortly. So we need to repent. We need to change our thinking. We need to change the way we think. And then it says, do the things you did at first. So we're going to repeat the works we did before. We're going to repeat the works we did at first. Sometimes, sometimes, I, I read this in a marriage book or marriage counseling or something of, of that nature. And it said, it was talking about sometimes when you get out of that honeymoon phase, you just need to sometimes, when you don't feel like it, just buy flowers. Because when you do those things, something shifts in your heart. When you act upon it, something shifts in your heart. Something changes internally. We need to repeat the way we felt at first. I, I, I could just speak for myself. When... Uh, those moments I remember when I gave my life to the Lord it was like all I wanted to do was come home and read read the Bible it wasn't a chore sometimes it can be a chore it wasn't a chore but it was something I longed to do I, I would go I, I, we would go to the beach 
and hang out and play guitar and real hippie stuff, you know, with our friends. And, and then I would just, like, go off. I remember I would just, I was like, they're probably like, that's the weird guy, you know, like, what is he doing? I would just, like, walk, I just felt like God was pulling me. I would just walk off to the, in the beach and get lost in the beach, and I was just spending time with God. I was just, God, I need you. I need you. And he was just showing me who I was, and we were just spending time together. And maybe you remember those times, maybe you don't, maybe you've never had that experience, that love relationship. Today's the day to make, to change your mind, to repent, to repeat the works, to spend time with God. Love requires time. Do what you did in the honeymoon phase. Get the expensive hotel. It's, it's moving, it's moving what was a, what used to be a memory. Oh, I remember, like I'm just talking now. I remember when I used to. It's moving something from memory to reality. I don't, don't be the, you know the, you know the guys, is this, maybe this is an American thing, so forgive me, but you've seen movies. It's like the guy who's 40 years old who still wears the Letterman jacket, the, the football, the American football jacket, um, and he still hangs around the, the high school football, um, you know, he's like, he thinks he's a coach, but he's not a coach, and he just kind of, and it's way too small for him, and he goes like, oh, remember the glory days? Yeah, in 1925, we won the national championship. I'm trying to make sure I don't hit anybody today. We won the national championship. I was the quarterback, and they're still living in the same town, you know, and that could be us in our relationship with God. We can Oh, I remember when. What if we bring that memory into reality today? That we never lose that, that place. We never lose that, that wonder that there's more to you. There's more, God. The story in, the, the story in Scripture, the prodigal son, is a great example of, I think, what happens in Revelation chapter 2 and the prodigal son the prodigal son goes to his father and says give me my money give me my money sucker this is my inheritance this is what I this is what I deserve and then he leaves and abandons the father's love abandons the home and goes off to squander the wealth he goes and spends it all all of his inheritance did that change the father's love? No. No. In fact, his father was always waiting. Oh, he'll come back. He'll come back. Always waiting. Because eventually the son, after squandering his wealth, he would remember after he's in a moment of despair, he's in the pigsty feeding pigs. He's so hungry like we can get spiritually just to eat the pig slop. And you know what he does? He remembers. He remembers the love from for, at first. He remembers his father's love. He remembers his father's house. And then he changes his mind. He repents. He thinks, oh, if I just go back, I, I, I got enough food. I, I, I'm going to change my way of thinking. He thinks differently. He thinks differently. And then he acts upon it. He repeats. He goes back to the house. And he thinks he's going back as a servant. If I could just be in a, a servant in the house. 
And then his father was waiting for him, runs out to the road, approaches him, grabs a hold of him. Something that an older gentleman would not have done traditionally in that time. It would have looked bad on him. It would have looked bad on the, the father for him to run. We don't run. And he ran and embraced his son because the love for his son never changed. And he embraces him. He said, no, 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 you're not a servant. You're a son. You're a son. And he embraces him. And he becomes a son because he was never not a son. Stand to your feet with me today. We need to remember, remember, repent, repeat the things we did at first. You're a son. You're a daughter. You never, you, you were never abandoned. You were never alone you're a son you're a daughter you're loved by the most high God the fact that he sent he loved you before you ever loved him can we close our eyes today today maybe for the first time maybe you've never encountered love maybe you've never experienced that love can I just ask you if that's you today I just want to pray for you can you just lift your hands with me today, both hands, as if you're just embracing God, maybe. Picture that prodigal son moment of the father running back to the, running to the son. God, today, we just thank you that you are love. You are love. It's not just something you do. You are love. It's who you are. It's every part of your being. And God, today, I pray that we would experience and encounter your love afresh today. If we've never, if maybe you're in the room and you've never decided to follow Jesus, you're watching online, wherever you're at, and you say today, I want to follow Jesus. I want to make that decision for the first time today. The Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a repenting, it's a changing of the mind. And you're stepping into that love relationship with him. You can make that decision today. You can say, Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross because you first loved. You first loved. And God, today we embrace you. You are the Lord of our life. We come to you. We come to you. We thank you for that. God, I pray for those who maybe feel like they're out of that honeymoon phase with you. I pray for us that we would never, we would always be experiencing, experiencing and encountering the tangible love of God. Your love. We would be saturated and overwhelmed by it because that your love never ends and we can experience it anew and afresh every day. We thank you for that. Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand today?